the presence of the Lord. I feel like we got to write a song, you know, like something about the presence of the Lord. I know there's like already a million that exist, but it's just, uh, you want to express it in a new way all the time, right? Yes, see. God is good, and you say, all the time. I'm pulling a Linda, ads. I'm pulling the Linda, not you. Yeah, we, we're calling that the Linda. For those of you who don't know, we were, we were having worship the one morning, and yes, man, it was beautiful, it was intimate, everything, and then Linda comes up to do announcements, and then he can't speak. He's like, he's not sure what he's doing. Next minute, Llewellyn, I think, was scheduled for a stewardship message, and then Linda, who, who hasn't been able to string two words together, he's like, yo, Llewellyn, can I take this message? And all of us are like, bro, you haven't said anything. Like... What do you mean? So, so Luella's like, okay, yeah, go for it, bro. Something burning on your heart, and all of a sudden, he's able to speak. So I'm like, okay, praise the Lord. You know, our, our hearts are such mysterious things to us if we don't understand how they work, you know? But uh, praise God, he knows the depths of our hearts, you know? And so often, you look at uh, experiences that we have with God, and, you know, you have this experience, but you have no idea how to link your physical expression to what you're experiencing in your heart, you know? I was just like, yeah, I'm free, I'm free, you know, it's just, <laughs> at least someone was, praise God. <laughs> but but it's, it's, it's just that thing, and you know, I think back, and I'm just like, you know, we are so estranged, is that the right word, yeah, to the things of the kingdom, because we've been programmed to be so sensory, you know, and it's just like, you know, when a, when a baby experiences hunger or discomfort or something, all the baby does is like, listen, man, I don't know what's going on here. I'm just going to summon that one who looks after me, whoever, Wah! and then, okay, then, then the, the mother or father comes, we've got to figure out what's going on, you know, and it's literally that when we're, we're trying to experience uh, the presence of God, you know, whenever it happens, it's always that. Sometimes it's, it's sweet and it's quiet. Other times it's like, explosive and loud and you know it's just so beautiful to experience a living God you know God isn't like our normal eight to five guys Monday to Friday he isn't like that at all I mean yes you, you know uh, thankfully a lot of my work is online you know so I don't sit in traffic much or whatever but the days that I have to travel and I sit in the traffic me I'm busy like Jesus ooh, you know and then I look around and people are like I'm like, whoa. You look this side, you're like, I'm like, bro, wake up. You're supposed to be driving. What are you doing, you know? But the sensory world has a limit. It has a limit of fulfillment that it can give you. Gosh, how can you say that? Well, look at everything. People who are driven by physical experience, whether it be eating something, whether it be exercise, whether it be doing something, have you noticed that after some period of time, um, it becomes dull, and then they go to the next level, you know? And it happens with everything. It's like, no, I'll just start with, I'll start with a cider, you know? Ooh, let's have a cider. And then after a while, the cider doesn't taste nice anymore, but you still want that experience. Then you go to the strorum. Okay, that was a big jump, but anyway. Uh, it's the same thing with gym. I'll just start on the treadmill. Ooh, let me go. It's like, okay, this is a nice rush. You know, oh, let me start with the weights. Cool. Oh, that's good. But I'm not getting the size I want. I'm not getting that pump, you know? Next minute, it's steroids and it's, you know, it's surgeries and all these things. The sensory living that we've become accustomed to is ultimately to our destruction. 
Because you see, God created us in this world to experience in the physical, but never for the physical to be our fulfillment. It was always a secondary benefit. You with me? Our complete fulfillment had to always be in God. So it doesn't matter if I turn on the soccer, if I'm living for soccer, and then United suck, which they've been doing, you know? When I, Calvin Klein, Vasier, I heard you there in the back. Yeah, I heard you. <laughs> um, but you know, it's like, I remember a period of my life where, where I was like so serious about football. I was like, yeah, obviously we were winning all the trophies that time. It was easy, you know? But, you know, you'd be like, yeah, and you get this, this like, this kick from being part of this team, you know, this movement. And then, yeah, see, so your team starts sucking and you're like, oh, I'm not even going to watch football anymore or I'm not going to do anything, you know. And then you move on to the next thing. You move on to the next thing. But the problem is, is that we're experiencing all these things from a need basis. That's what the key is here, guys, from a need basis, Right? Whereas we're supposed to be experiencing these things purely from a pleasure perspective. It's like, oh, the soccer's on, cool. You know? You know, you get people who forfeit family time for soccer. Like, they would skip a child's wedding to go watch a soccer game. And I'm like, bro, hold on, what's going on here? You know, it's like, you gotta check your priorities a bit, you know? But are you guys understanding what I'm saying? It's because those emotions, those feelings, that experience they get from doing that thing starts taking priority in their lives. Now, the flip side to what G was mentioning this morning about the gospel that's being preached is the gospel that's being preached, he says, just stop those things. But people are like, but I can't just stop those things. What about this experience that I'm getting from this thing? I can't just stop doing that. I like that. You ask anyone, anyone who's, who, who sins, they like to sin. Why else would they do it? They don't do it because they hate it. You go to work because you hate it, but you know if you don't work, you're not going to eat, so you do it, right? <laughs> but people who are sinning like sinning. It's, it's the basic thing is because of the experience they're getting from it. Surely they're going to feel really bad afterwards because after the emotion dissipates and everything goes, and I'm like, oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. Damn it, you know? But what people need to be told is that those same feelings, emotion, experiences, right, just need to be shifted to Jesus. Because we need to understand that we need to give people the truth of Jesus because there is nothing they can get in the world, right, that Jesus doesn't already have. See, Jesus already has more than what the world has to give. Are you with me? And people will never, ever prioritize God. We don't prioritize God until we make that shift. Because we are, what can I say, trained or raised or whatever, programmed to live sensory, on a sensory level, right? But when we shift these things and we realize, okay, but this is just emotions and experiences and everything I'm having, and Jesus is saying he's offering the same, obviously with no side effects, right? He's offering the same, then I need to make the choice to say, okay, I know what that thing's costing me, but if I come to Jesus, I get the same experience, but it's all benefit. I get the same experience, but I'm not losing money, I'm not losing time, I'm not losing health. Are you with me? And this is what it means, ladies and gents, to live by faith. This is it, because you must remember, oh, sorry, I told the live stream guys, but 
today's message is live by faith, all right? Because <laughs> you guys know every, every beginning of every year we start with righteousness. Just to make sure that everyone's on the same page that we're not running out now, New Year's resolution, woo, 2022, new year, new me, wah, 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 all right? No, listen, new you is in Christ. It's not in the 1st of January, okay? <laughs> it's not in the 1st of January. It's in Christ, okay? And the mindset with New Year's, no, everyone's asking, but should we not have resolutions? Okay, we're going to break it down today. But the mindset of this New Year's resolution story is, I want to fix me. I want to do better. I want to try harder. But the you, the version of you that people are holding on to is a dead version. If you want to try harder, discover who you are in Christ. If you want to do better, experience who you are in Christ, right? If you want to do more, walk more in the grace of God. Don't keep hitting your head against the same wall. Are you guys with me? So this morning we're talking about living by faith and what that actually means, right? Now, <laughs> I was chatting to Deeds yesterday, and he, yeah, he, he agrees and Tasso agrees as well that, listen, our theme is going to be this for the next couple of weeks, right? And, uh, and I told him, like, Deeds, we've said this, like, the last 10 years we've had this church. He's like, no, no, yeah, look, we've been preaching the same gospel. We just repackage it. Uh, you know, we repackage it. And that's the beauty of the word of God is that because it is, al it, it is alive, it is never irrelevant, right? There is not an area in your life where the Bible cannot help you. Do you know why? Because the entire Bible is telling you, rely on God. <laughs> the entire Bible is telling you, seek God. And what happens when you open your heart and you see God? God says, go this way, or do that, or try this. And all of a sudden, you're experiencing the abundant life. Amen? Now, here's the thing, right? And uh, I, I've had a, this last sort of three weeks, Holy Spirit's been placing some thing, uh, things on my heart, you know, this, this break that we've had. Well, he's been placing on it for a good couple of years, but I feel like now is the time where I've got to act on it, all right? But... Um, the understanding of Jesus worldwide, okay, internationally, if we can put it, it's very rare to find preachers, teachers, worship bands, whatever it's going to be, to find Christian activity that is actually not done in self-service. All right? Listen very carefully to what I'm saying. Usually, majority of the time, when I say majority, like 98.7%. All right. Do you know that 62.3% of people are more likely to believe something if you add a statistic to it? See what I did there? Yeah. <laughs> See what I did there? Certain statistics going around for the last two years. But anyway, I'm not going to get on that. Left that in last year. Right? But everyone's doing something and they'll say, it's for the kingdom. This is for the glory of God. You know? Lord, we, we seek you. We want you. Meanwhile... We're kind of saying, can you just fix my problems? Can you just fix me? Can you do something, you know? And all along, we are actually saying things, doing things that are different to what the Word of God is saying. Amen? A simple thing, right? The Bible tells us we should now see everyone as Christ sees them, right? Reckon everyone as alive in Christ. See them through the eyes of Jesus. No longer through your temporary vision, but through eternal eyes, right? But you look at the treatment of people that's going around, it's not like that, right? Agreed? It's totally different. 
But there will be moments where people will be like, oh, child of God, and all this stuff. And you think to yourself, but wait, you're saying child of God because there's something you want to get out of it. You with me? And there's elements of self that exist everywhere. You know, you look at, let's take worship bands, for example. They've gotten into the cycle now where they've got to write an album a year. It's just how it is. Hillsong did a whole uh, documentary thing, you know, and, and the guys explained that, listen, you've got to push out an album a year because the music funds the church and, you know, all this sort of stuff. But what happens is when you put pressure on worship, it no longer is worship. It's music. And then we get wonky things. This is how I fight my battles, you know. Raise a hallelujah. The presence of my enemies, my bro. You think you're so important that you've got an enemy. I mean, really, you know. It, all this weird stuff starts coming out because people are realizing, if I don't write this album, I'm not going to have a salary. What do you do as a praise and worship leader? What job are you going to get? Welcome to McDonald's. Can I take your order, you know? <laughs> Now, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just making the point is that whenever we have self-motives at the core of what we're doing, right, we need to accept that there will be death. We need to accept that there's going to be stress. There's going to be frustration. It's going to be very costly. Are you with me? And the message of the gospel is, say, well, Ephesians 2.8. I don't know if Linda... Did you get there? Ephesians 2a, what does it say? For you have been saved by grace through faith. And this not of your own, but the gift of God so that no one may boast. All right? Romans 1 tells us, Paul saying in 1.16, he says, 16, 17, he says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of salvation to, the power of God for the salvation of men. Right? No, let me read it. Sorry, guys. For in it, that's the one, that's the part of it. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. Let me read it, Romans 1, 17. 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Right? For it is written, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith, or the righteous one by faith shall live. Okay? Now, the angle we're going to take on living by faith is that this has always been, this has always been uh, dealt with typically about a salvation. Right? So, basically saying that your actions, right, cannot ease the wrath of God, and it cannot earn his favor. All right? Because that's typically what religion is is that either you're doing something good so you don't get punished, or you're doing something good to get favor with whoever you're doing it to, right? Here, Paul's saying is that everything is by faith. Faith is trust, right? Which means that we trust that the work that Jesus did is enough. So whatever wrath I am avoiding, okay? Whatever, like in my heart, if I'm scared of wrath, the answer for that is not for me to go do good things. The answer for that is for me to say that Jesus paid the price. To trust in my heart, he paid the price. Amen? If, I'm, if I want favor, I want a blessing, whatever, I don't go do good things to earn that. What I do is I look to Jesus and say that his death, burial, and resurrection earned the favor of God. Amen? 
right? I've always left it to that. But this principle filters into every area of our lives, okay? For example, like I mentioned, the selfish motives at the core of it. The same faith that saves us is the same faith that we live by, right? And, these, and, and, you know, typically it's been so confusing in the world that faith has even become a good thing that you do. Like they say, coming to church is faith. What? No. <laughs> it's not what it is. Confessing is faith. No, it's not what it is, right? Faith, as we've explained, like last year extensively, it's just purely trust, right? Trust. Where, where or who or what are you placing your trust in? And trust is if you can, you know, sort of break it down a bit more, it's that catalyst that you are hoping to have safety, fulfillment, hope, you know, love, all those things. It is that catalyst that gets you there. It is the action of opening your heart to say, all right, these things that I'm wanting here, okay, I trust you with that. Are you guys with me, right? So we need to draw the line here because uh, it, it's strong in my heart right, that this year we need to be diligent and deliberate about these self-motives that I'm talking about, right? Because you need to understand the self-motives that we have, we are at the mercy of the world to fulfill. What does that mean? It means if I have a selfish motive, I'm only going to be able to fulfill that in the freedom that is given to me by my environment, But if my motive is not selfish, there's no pressure for me to act it out. There's no pressure for me to do it in a specific way, okay? And the only way my motive becomes unselfish is when I am first fulfilled in Christ. Are you with me? So here's the thing. We have this predisposition, okay? that we've been given by society, we've been given by upbringing, culture, whatever it is. And that predisposition is that we cannot talk about God without bringing someone who has influenced us in our walk. For example, right? Maybe some of you sitting here be like, man, I wish I could be like Bash. He's such a good Christian, right? I hope none of you are saying that, okay? (laughs) I'm using it for illustrative purposes, right? Right? Illustrative illustrative guys when you put the wrong emphasis or the wrong syllable okay <laughs> everyone looked at me is like yeah what kind of what is that greek what's what's the strongest number there g you know um just for just making an example right but you see especially in christians is that they attach their fulfillment to some person of god whether it's the catholics and it's the pope whether it's the Baptist and a bishop, whether it's the charismaniacs and the apostle or, you know, whatever it is, it's never just Jesus, right? And I'll give you an example, Genesis 22, okay? And this one is, is, you know, it's a tricky one because we read about the heroes in the Bible and I call them heroes because, I mean, the fact that, I mean, their name is, is like here forever, you know, I'm like, geez, that's crazy, you know? You don't see Bashan in the, Bashan is in the Bible, but not me. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's not me, all right? It is in the Bible, but it's not me. But I didn't feature in these pages. These guys were key. They, they were, they, they were like, like necessary to bring the Messiah to save all of mankind. 
all right? And the lives that they lived, the responses that they had to God was important because God was showing us the changes they made in their hearts to be able to experience the life he wanted to give them. Are you with me? So everyone knows the story of Abraham, right? Well, there's many stories of Abraham, but specifically the one that, hey, let's go, Linda. All right. Uh, So sometime later, verse 1, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. All right. Now, listen, I've spoken about this scripture many times, okay? I'm just going to take a bit of a detour this morning with the scripture, okay? Firstly, God, who already you've had this track record with, he called you out of the Nimrod's land. He delivered you. Uh, he d- delivered Lot. He made the covenant with you. gave you the promise. All these things that are happening, right? So, verse 3, early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey, all right? He took with him his two servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. Obviously, he had to do that because if the servant was seeing that Abraham was about to kill his child, he was obviously going to get involved, right? Um, We will worship and then we will come back to you. Step one, make a note there. Abraham said, we will worship. Right, step one. So verse six, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, father. Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? You can see I'm not a voice artist, but it's okay. So Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together, all right? Verse 9, when they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. When he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Guys, look how far this went, right? This is Isaac tied on the altar right now, all right? That's hectic, man. Um, He reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. It's happening. Isaac is there. He's watching his dad walk away. He's like, yeah, why why did he tie me up? Then you're there and then your dad comes with a knife. You're like, yo, is he coming to cut the ropes? Where's that knife going, all right? Then he goes like this. Then, verse 11, but an angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, probably was like a shout. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him now that I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Now look, many, many Things to talk about here, okay? The one element I want to focus on this morning. Have you ever heard people say, or have you yourself ever wished, oh, I wish I had faith like Abraham? Because hmm? we have, like, had this predisposition that, man, I want to be like that, you know? And it's almost like when you watch someone who's really good at something, 
You know, let's say you watch an artist painting, you watch a sports person, you're like, oh, I wish I could do that. I wish I could be like that. Yet, we're very quick to forget, right, that we refuse to do what they did to get there. See, people think Abraham was special. That's why he had this faith story. Do you know the only reason Abraham's recorded in the Bible? Is because he agreed. God appeared to him and said, bro, I got a plan. Man's a mess. They've royally screwed up everything, right? I got a plan to save them. Do you want in? Abraham's like, what? This is like Avengers level stuff, you know? It's like Avengers level stuff. Like, yeah, let's go. We're going after Thanos, you know, whatever it is. Abraham's like, I'm in, right? But Abraham was the one that would have responded. I'm pretty sure God had options. I'm telling you. But God knew the one who would have responded. But here's the thing. Do you think there was something special about Abraham that enabled him to respond? Because there's a truth in the New Testament that tells us from Ephesians that now that we are all in Christ, there is no favoritism in him. So that means we're all on the same level because we're all as Christ is. So what is it then that sets those apart who are seemingly in the external walking with God? Like, you know, some people, when they talk about God, you're just like, man, that's real. You know? It's like, whoa. Someone sings and they're worshiping God. You're like, oh. You know? Whatever it is. You can tell when something is authentic. So what is it then that's special about that? You, know, you guys want to know? Okay, everyone's looking at me like, oh, here we go. I'm glad you asked that question. Hebrews 11. And I want to explain this little mechanic to you. It's not a little dude fixing a car. It's the way something works, okay? <laughs> yes, you bash. You can see you haven't been here in a while. You're full of it this morning. Hallelujah. Oh, Ronnie, who agreed with me? I heard someone say, yeah, that's, that's mean. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, where are we? Where are we? Hey, y'all are laughing too much in the front here. Yeah? I'm going to tell the teacher. Auntie Libby. <laughs> yeah, Auntie Libby's watching y'all. Um, sorry, let me just get the verse. You guys can look at your notes quickly and write down there, put a little hash and say, bash looking for notes at this point. Yeah, that's Hebrews 11. I just want to get the verse. Uh, oh yes, 17. All right. Now, Verse 6 first, sorry, Linda. Verse 6. Uh, verse 6. And without faith, everyone knows this, right? Without faith, is it, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Another translation says that must believe that he is who he says he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Okay, now... Let's talk about that for a second because people, like I said, everyone thinks Abraham's special. We look at everyone in the Bible and we think, oh, they were special. The only one in the Bible who was special is Jesus. That's it because he was the only one recorded in the Bible that was not born of the corruptible seed. He was born of the incorruptible seed. What does that mean? It means that the, from the moment he was born, there was no sin born in him. But every single one of us, because of 
Adam, all of us were born into sin, as Romans tells us, right? Jesus was not born into sin. He became sin at the cross, but he was not born into sin, right? He's the only special one, okay? Now, all the rest, we're just plebs like we were. We are, right? Plebs, look at the person next to you. Say, plebs like us, right? If you don't know what plebs is, Urban Dictionary is your friend. No, I'm kidding. Right, now, when I say plebs, I mean they were normal just like us. The difference was what is explained here in verse 6. Anyone who comes to him must believe. You see, Christians are still going about their lives saying it's for God, saying it's the will of God, but still doing it themselves, still doing it their way, still getting fulfillment from what they're doing. Are you guys with me? Let me show you the secret of Abraham. 17. Right, you ready? Everyone say, sheesh. <laughs> right, ready? Linda? Oh, so he's already, he's ahead of me. Jeez, you're too quick. You got to slow down, bro. All right. Verse 17. Okay. By faith, Abraham, right? When God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned. Okay, what does that mean? It means he thought about what God was telling him. He thought about the situation. Everyone say reason. Everyone say, I need to use my brain. Look at the person next to you. Say, hey. God gave you a brain. Use it. Okay, praise the Lord. Amazing what you learn in church. All right. Uh, are we on 18? 19. Oh, no, 18. So even though God said to him, no, man. Okay, wait. Okay, okay, sorry. We'll finish 17. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. 19. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. So in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. Hold up, hold up. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. Why? He had no proof of that. Well, what was the promise? The promise was through your seed. Through your seed. Now, he tried earlier. You know the story with Ishmael and whatever. I'll be honest with you. Abraham took an opportunity that he should not have taken. All right? I'm just saying. But anyway, he knew that Isaac was the child of promise. So the promise was, hmm. This is, no, I'm just reenacting, okay? So God appears to Abraham. He's like, listen, take the boy. Take him on the mountain. Kill him for me. Okay, Lord, no worries. Getting ready, Abraham's like, okay, no, no I, like, I love my child. That's obvious. Like, I love him. He's my first son. So he's the child of promise. Okay. God said that through him, he said, all my descendants. So through him, something's going to happen. The Messiah is coming through him. 
Okay, cool. God wouldn't lie because he's, he's truth. Okay, no worries. All right, pack it up, boy. Let's go. Then they're going, and he's still reasoning. He's still reasoning. He's still reasoning. So it's like, okay, but I have to follow through with this because I know that God is not a liar. I know that he is true because Abraham's already seen God in action in all the chapters before, right? So he's like, okay, maybe I'm going to kill him, but there's no ways this child's going to be taken from me. He's the child of promise. So what was the decision that Abraham made? He says, okay, cool. I'm going to go for it. But I know I'll never lose this boy. Do you know why? Because God said it. That's what it's saying there. He reasoned that he would even get Isaac back from the dead. Now here's the thing. This is an instruction that seemed contradictory from God, right? But us as Christians sacrifice the character of God for things that don't even come from Him. We compromise the integrity of God's goodness, His character, His love, His entire being for things that don't even come from Him. Which one of you sitting here, God said, kill your child? Yet, we forfeit the goodness of God when we're stuck in Monday morning traffic. Which is worse, killing your child or Monday morning traffic? <laughs> Obviously killing your child, guys. <laughs> Rhetorical question, right? Do you guys understand what I'm saying here? Can you see the element that Abraham walked with, the mechanic that he walked with, the mental attitude that he walked with to bring forth the lineage of the Messiah, the Savior of the world? And you know what the Bible calls him? What does the Bible call him? Abraham is the father of the faith. He's the father of the faith. You know why? Because the Bible tells us that we must take the same example that Abraham walked with. Amen? And you look at it, you go read his story, even when he had external evidence to counter God, to question God, he didn't even hesitate. He didn't. What was his name? Kirioloma came to him and said, listen, you can have all the gold, whatever, just give back our people. You know, after, what was it? Sodom. I think it was Sodom. They conquered Sodom, whatever. Then Kirioloma says to him, listen, take the gold, take everything. It's fine. Abraham turns around. He said, but my men will take what they want, but you're not going to give me a cent because I will not have you going around saying that you made me rich when it's God who made me rich. Can you see what's happening here? Now, what is the element that cripples us day to day where we compromise the character of God? Do you know what it is? Is that we defend the things that we have fulfillment in. We will even compromise God being good so that we can keep the things that fulfill us. But the gospel's telling you, come be fulfilled in Jesus, please. Then you don't mind Letting go of everything. If you become fulfilled in Jesus, you'll start defending Jesus in your life instead of defending everything else. Amen? Have you guys seen what's happening with Djokovic? I had to bring this up. This is hilarious, you know? It's like, it's like the height of craziness. But I'm not going to talk about the situation, but I'll be honest with you, right? You know all the Djokovic, like I'm not a Djokovic fan. 
I'm really not, okay? If you guys, you know me, it's, it's only Roger. Roger forever, right? This man! Sheldon, we're going to have a meeting with this lighty afterwards. We're going to give him five-fold ministry. Yeah. <laughs> He's always disagreeing with me. You're <laughs> my feelings, bro. No, I'm kidding. All right, but listen, right? I've always been a Federer fan, okay, cool. So when people used to talk about Djokovic, the thing is, is like, I can't deny he's the best in the world. He's possibly the greatest of all time. I don't know. We need to decide that. But you must check how the fans are reacting because of this drama that's going on. Have you noticed how people will defend something that is pure evil just so that they can continue getting what they're getting from it? Hey, look at the ANC. 20s. 27 years, 8 now, 28 years, they have been robbing and looting and breaking everything. But no, we're going to vote because it's part of the movement. We vote for freedom. You vote for hunger, bro. You vote for everything to be broken. But no, it's just so that we can be part of that movement. Look at how we defend the things that we get fulfillment from. And you know all those things, that, that defense, it results in what the Bible calls the work of the flesh. Because to defend that thing, we have to lie. I saw an interview, with, you know, I'm on the ANC story because, I mean, they're so easy to, you know, talk about. But the lady was there and she was getting interviewed. I can't remember who it was. Oh, what's this auntie? The one who did the cigarette ban and all that. What's her name? Zuma. Yeah, and Kostazana, that one. Yeah, Lamini Zuma, right? So anyway, so she's there. So check this out, right? Now this is oh, defense. Oh. So the, the reporter's there, and he's like, it's blatant, it's obvious. Honorable Lamini Zuma. You know they must say honorable. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> it's blatant that the ANC has failed in their office, right? It's blatant that, you know, and he's, and he's drawing this picture and he's trying to get some sort of accountability or change in traje tra uh, trajectory from her, right? <laughs> so she replies, she says, what you have said is true. And I want to assure all the people listening that this has been a great learning point for the ANC. <laughs> ah, guys. Now, that sounds ridiculous, but how often are we using the same reasoning in our everyday lives? Because we're defending these things that we get fulfillment from. Guys, this is the freedom that Jesus wants you to have, that you are slave to nothing external in this world. Amen? Imagine if Abraham turned around and he said, no, I cannot sacrifice my son. Then he was going to make another plan. Go get another maidservant. You have another son. Take that one up the mountain. Then the angel was going to be like, yeah, well, no, this is not Isaac. What are you doing here? I didn't ask for this, bro. That's what he would have done. But you see, he made the decision that God and his knowledge of who he was, the integrity of who he was, is not open for compromise. And this is your key to living by faith. Because let's be honest, when something goes wrong, what do we say? Oh, God, why? If we are truly believers, our first response should be, this is not God. 
You know, like when you're in school and someone just says something about your mother. Like they can tune anyone. Tune my brother, tune my sister, my cousins, my auntie, my uncles. Don't say anything about my mother. You tune my mother, I'm going to bring that same chili powder for you. Put in your eyes, right? We need to have the same attitude with God, guys. Because the, the truth of it is, is that he is the one that's faultless. This defense that we're building for this thing to give us fulfillment has, is full of holes. And you have to create lies and excuses and all these other things to protect that thing. But God is saying, just behold who I am. You don't need to maintain me. You don't hold my image. I am the all-sufficient one. I am the everlasting, the beginning, the end, the alpha, the omega. Amen? So what is it that made Abraham special? Did one simple thing. And that's why he's the father of faith. Is that the hierarchy that he had in his life about what was important to him and what wasn't, he placed God on the top. I remember the days I used to work in ministry, right? What is the time? Okay, I'm rambling here. We're going to close up. Can I have a bit more time? Okay, cool. I got a majority, yes. The rest of you, it's cool. <laughs> I was working in ministry, right? And uh, you guys know Atlas Road? It's more like Atlas Pothole. No, I don't know what it is. Man, uh, between the flooding and the craters, Ekuruleni, if you are watching. Apparently, you are under the management of the DA now. Come please show us what blue can do. Thank you. All right, anyway. <laughs> so I'm driving, right? And I get a nail in my tire. Nail in my tire, guys. No, that's a pretty normal thing, right? I mean, it's inconvenient, but it's normal. I mean, South Africa. What are you going to do? Cool. So I get to work. Go through the day, whatever. Get out. Boop. Then the tire's flat. I'm like, oh. This person standing next to me. Works in a church. Believer. Says to me. Says, yes, the devil, eh? I'm like. But wait, listen. <laughs> listen, right? The identity is so poor that you as a believer can never have trouble. Because if you have trouble, you're a bad believer. So obviously, it's the devil. What are you talking about? Bloody hell, man. Can't be me. I don't even have nails, you know? Yes, so I looked at it, I'm like, bro. Did you just say the devil? He's like, bro, look at this. This is your suffering. This is your persecution. I'm like, it's a freaking flat tire, bro. What do you mean? What? <laughs> Are you guys with me? But look at the level that it goes to. We are so debased about the truth in the word. The global Christian community. Not you guys. I'm just saying. You know? The global Christian community that we can't even acknowledge a simple truth. How then are we expected to walk in the truth of the gospel, experience abundant life, experience the peace that surpasses all understanding? How? Are you guys with me? That internal hierarchy, guys, is the number one priority that you and I need to be putting our energy into every single day. That is the number one. That anything that happens in life, you tune your reasoning to say, okay, before I jump on a justification to protect a hard belief that I have, 
is this God. Because only once you establish that can your heart change in the way that it needs to. Amen? That's the only time it can happen. So how do we walk in faith? To sum up this morning, ladies and gents, is that every single one of us here have the responsibility and the accountability of what's in our heart, the state of our heart, right? Being part of something, right, is not going to fix your heart. Being caught up in something else is not going to fix your heart. Doing something is not going to fix your heart. The only thing that will fix your heart is when you take the truth that is in here and you change the beliefs that you have in it, according to this, right? So a practical thing for you guys to do this afternoon, this evening, every day this week. Look at the things that you are fighting to protect in your life. You know, when I was stuck in corporate, and I say stuck because the belief in my heart would not let me move beyond that. Because I had an identity and a value issue that if I am not on an executive level in corporate, I'm not successful. I sacrificed my health, my time. I sacrificed everything to try and fuel this thing. And the Lord was like, what are you doing, but? Like, what do you mean? This is by your grace. And this is like, no, 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 no. Before you go on a whole theological debate here, because listen, all of us are good with that. We're very good. We can create the biggest chaos and be like, but it's for the kingdom. Must be good, right? Now the Lord's leading me this way. Oh, why is there so much chaos? He's the king of peace, right? So, and, and the Holy Spirit had to show me, he says, listen, dude, you want this thing to change the way you feel about yourself. And that's what drives us every day. Amen? Why do we do, like, like I, I remember the years in, in campus, I had these days where it used to be like the spontaneous, like, oh, I'm just going to get in the car and go somewhere. I wanted to do something to change the way I'm feeling. And that is the base level that we all live at every single day because activity commands our feeling. Circumstance commands our feeling. The Bible is telling us, change that circumstance and that activity to communion with Jesus. Don't make it your job or your business or your, your, your works or your service or whatever it is. Don't make it anything external. Make it the communion with Jesus. Then we begin to understand why Paul, chained up in prison, waist high in sewage. Listen, not even like Valdam water. Sewage, right? Like for me, Valdam water, I like, I'm like, oh. and then you see like this green moss floating by like, oh, no. That's not me. I'm not an outdoors guy, right? But anyway, he writes and he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Are you mental, bruh? Do you not see what's happening around you? He's like, I don't care. You know why I don't care? Because this is not God. If God was doing this to me, I'd start thinking a bit differently. Because then it's bringing into question this whole grace gospel that I'm preaching. But I say again, rejoice. Rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Sorry, put it the other way around. Are you guys with me? So take a moment right now. Take out your phones or whatever. Your pens. We're going to do a quick exercise, but you've got to be open to it, all right? You've got to be willing to participate. If you're not willing to participate, it's fine. You can chill. But take out a pen and a paper or a phone or whatever, right? <clears throat> and you don't need to search far about what's eating you guys. Trust me. <laughs> you don't need to search far. 
Sometimes you need to search far for something to eat, but what's eating you, you don't need to search far. All right, ready? Open up a notepad or this or whatever. All right. And this is where we begin to do it, right? This is where, this is how you take stock of it, okay? Everyone close your eyes. You got your story open? All right, your story's open. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath. Viewers online, you can do this as well. All right. Take a deep breath. Okay. Now, now that your mind's getting clear, you're relaxing, everything. What is the frustration coming up in your heart right now? A fear, an irritation, a longing even, something, whatever it is, the first thing that comes up. You don't need to be scared of it or whatever it is, right? First thing that comes up, write it down right now. You wish you could make more money. You wish you could stop working. Uh, you wish you were in a relationship. You, you wish you could lose some weight. You wish you could get fit, whatever it is. But it's causing some negative impacts in your heart, some negative emotions. Write it down. As soon as it comes to you, I'll give you a few minutes. Quentin, you can't ask for help. This is your own heart. <laughs> this brother's asking for help with his own heart here. Yes. <laughs> All right, everyone's got it? All right. If you didn't, you can practice again later. No worries. It's all good for the sake of time. Now, that thing that you wrote down, Okay, typically, whenever you think of it, whenever you focus on it, whatever it is, whenever you even see it, it frustrates you. You get a sense of lack. There's a sense of it's not enough here, you know. And what you need to do is, guys, you need to, firstly, like we did now, be honest, be brave, because you are in Jesus. There's safety there. Are you guys with me? You're in Jesus. You don't need to be scared about what's going to happen. You don't need to be scared about what's in your heart right? You're one spirit with him, right? Now that thing there, you need to go and ask the question, okay, I want this thing so badly, okay, why? And you can ask your heart, and your heart will tell you the first reason. Accept that reason. Don't try and polish it and make it nice, all right? If you take something that's broken and you polish it up, it's still broken. Just accept it for what it is, because you know what that's going to give you? That's going to give you a freedom to place that fulfillment on Jesus. So for example, let's say you're here and, I don't know, let's use a, a trivial one. Oh yeah, uh, I gotta go to gym, I gotta get in shape. And you tell yourself, no, it's for health reasons, you know, health and fitness, all that stuff. But you take a moment and you look at this thing and the first thing that actually comes up is like, ah, I actually have to get in shape so I can get a girlfriend, you know. Maybe someone will look at me and think I'm attractive, you know, whatever, you know. I'm just being honest, guys. Because I'll tell you one thing, the number one crippling factor with Christians is that they are not authentic. Because they're trying to be holy. Right? So whatever that reason is, you write it down. And then you go to see, you go, but wait a minute. If I'm looking for a relationship to feel love, to feel longing or whatever, then why am I waiting for someone to do that? Jesus has already invited me to a relationship. Are you guys with me? And that is, guys, that is the simple everyday exercise that we can do. Because you must remember, your heart opens differently over time. Deal with one thing, deal with another thing, deal with another thing. Because it works on safety, right? So this principle that I've given you this morning is exactly what you need to do. And you'll find that you have that peace 
you will start having that peace that surpasses understanding. Are you with me? Chaos can be happening. Everyone is like, nah, it's the end of the world and we know it, right? And you should be like, guys, chill, guys, don't worry. It's like, what do you mean? It's like, listen, God's going to lead us out of this. How can you say that? I was like, but it's him. Why would he lie? He can't lie. Anything that he says is truth. Lies don't exist in him. In him, there is no darkness. Are you with me? But all of a sudden, if you are trying to defend something and that thing starts burning, you're going to find yourself in a crisis. See, the only fire you want to be caught up in is the all-consuming fire of God, guys. That's the only fire. Because that's a fire that never burns out. It's a fire that never burns to a crisp. <laughs> it's a fire that doesn't damage. Are you with me? It's a fire that renews. It's a fire that builds. I know that's a bit paradoxical, but it is what it is. Amen. So do you guys want to be a hero in the faith? Start trusting the hero in the faith. It's Jesus. That's why the Bible calls him the head. We are the body. Amen. Did you guys get something this morning? Amen. Praise God. Come on, give God a praise. Easy to be a Christian, eh? Jesus has done it all, man. Think about it. Every pressure for delivery is on him. All that's on us is to be like Abraham and say, okay, you know what? Let me just put his, God's logic first. Let me put his character first. Stephen Fry once said, you guys know Stephen Fry is this, anyway, Stephen Fry. Anyway, he's a British dude. He's got a nose that looks like a chicane. It's crazy. But anyway, yeah, anyway. But he made this statement. He's like, how can you tell me that God exists when babies are born with bone cancer? And years ago, I heard that. And you know, to my, my self-focused mindset, that made sense. Because how could a God do something so terrible? I mean, it's a baby. That baby doesn't deserve it. That baby's like starting its life, yet it's born with bone cancer. Sounds crazy, eh? But funnily enough, funnily enough, when you come to the truth of this word, you realize that God has always been true. You realize that nothing that is of darkness exists in him. Do you know, people say, oh, where did the disease come from? It doesn't come from God. It doesn't exist in him. God never brought forth anything that doesn't exist in him. And when you're in that state, you're free now to see things as they are. Bone cancer in the child. Oh, okay, maybe mother was an alcoholic drinking all nine months. Why do you want to jump to God first? God said who he is. And as believers, that is the stance that we are called to take. That's the reason that we're called out. Because unless you have the unwavering conviction of who God is, you will never see things objectively in this world. You will always be manipulated. You will always be abused. You will always hurt yourself. You'll always hurt people. Amen? Everyone close your eyes. Right now, this morning, with everything that's been explained, you saw this morning that there is only one good thing in life. 
and that is walking with Jesus. Like you heard this morning, there is only one who is good in life, and that's God. If you're sitting here this morning and you don't know, and you, you realize, geez, this was really interesting, uh, what I heard this morning, but I'm not walking with God. I don't even know who God is. How do I become a believer? That's you here this morning, even if you're online, right? This is an invitation. We want to have a chat with you. Same for the guys online. Uh, WhatsApp us, get in touch with us, uh, and we can help you. But anyone here this morning, if you have that conviction in your heart this morning that you want to experience this life with Jesus, you realize that, man, there's nothing out there in this world. What can save me from myself? I'm telling you this morning, it's Jesus. If that's you here this morning, you can slip your hand up quickly just so I can see you. And let's have a chat after the service. Let's have a chat so we can get you in the family. Amen. People online, like I said, just get in touch with us on WhatsApp or send us a Facebook message or comment to contact you and we'll get it happening. God is good all the time. Come on, give me a round of applause. It's good to be back in church, amen? No, when I, when I told people, it's like, it's like, you guys close the church? I'm like, yeah. They look at you weird. How could you close the church? You can't do that. He's like, oh, proud brother, but we also want a holiday, how? Huh? What do you want us to do, bro? We're also human, how? Like, a, like that post you were talking about, someone put up, because you know, like the whole of South Africa ran to Cape Town, eh? So someone put up, he's like, I'd just like to thank all my Facebook and Instagram friends for going to Cape Town. I shared your holiday with you because of all your pictures, <laughs> you know? But when we walk like this, even coming to church is not a self-service. We come here and we experience the purity of sitting and communing with our Father. We experience the purity of serving each other. Amen? Because we are already fulfilled in Jesus. Amen. Just put your hand on your heart. And say, thank you, Lord, that you fulfill me. Help me, Lord, every day to shift my fulfillment to you. Amen. Ladies and gents, I love you very much. Have an amazing Sunday. And we're going to see you next week. Woo!